The Brand Ad Podcast with Robbie Fowler, Episode 72, How to Work with a Designer to Grow Your Consulting, Training, or Coaching Personal Brand with Special Guests, Jason Clement and Mike Brennan. Too many personal brands are stuck pitching to everybody, getting heard by nobody, and settling for anybody. This show helps high-integrity brands secure and serve the socks off more of your dream clients. We'll go beyond marketing hacks and discover how to grow a thriving personal brand business based on radical empathy for your clients. Welcome to the show today. We're going to have a good time because this is a little roundtable discussion that you're going to get to listen in on with two of my very good friends and phenomenal designers and artists. It's Mike Brennan and Jason Clement. And together, we're going to talk about design and what you as a personal brand need to know when you're working with a designer to build your personal brand. So let's jump into today's episode. Welcome to the podcast. So I've got Mike Brennan, who is here, and I'll get him to introduce himself in a second, and Jason Clement. We all come from a design background. You guys are in the day-to-day of design more than I am currently, but I thought this would be a great time to get together to talk about creativity, to talk about design, and to help folks listening who aren't designers. We're going to invite them into the Little Geek Club, and you guys are going to get to listen in to understand how to work with their designer, how to get the most out of their designer, and what they need to be paying attention to and not paying attention to when it comes to personal branding and their design. Mike, let's start with you. Just go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you do, and then we'll turn it over to Jason. Sure. Yeah. So Mike Brennan, and I say that I am a creator and communicator who tells stories on pages and stages. And that means a couple of things. One, on the creator side, obviously designer, like you said, been doing graphic design for years and years, as well as illustration. So sometimes that illustration crosses over into design and I get to do projects where kind of both happen in logo settings or other settings. But I also do a lot of like pop culture art and things that lean a little bit more towards fine art. And then on the communicator side, uh, I have a podcast, Creative Chats, and I also speak about establishing a daily creative habit. Love all things creativity. Yes, very cool. All right, Jason, I should have let you go first, unless you've got something that rhymes like Mike does. <laughs> oh, that was good. I, I, I know. I, about I was that. like, oh, no. I hang out with my copywriter friends too much. Yeah. So, Jason, tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do. Uh, so, I'm a graphic designer as well. I've done graphic design my whole life. I started in, I've always loved to draw, and I started in high school. I had a mentor who introduced me to the world of design. There's an actual, there's a natural extension there, and I just fell in love with it. I mean, I've been doing it ever since. I do a lot of branding and websites for coaches, consultants, speakers, people like that. So you've probably seen Mike and or Jason's work. If you're in our streams or in our worlds at all. So both of you guys got started in some sort of design young. Would both of you, I know Mike would, Jason, would you also consider yourself an artist? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think there's a level of art to, you know, creating whether it's a, a business a website for a business or a brand or I think there's there's art that's involved with all that, and for I would definitely call myself that because that's where I started. I didn't start as an artist. I can't draw like stick figures, so I'm the designer that the artist typically goes, "Ah, oh, but you're not even an artist." And I will freely admit, <laughs> nope, I am not. Okay, I would love to know from each one of you what's your favorite 
thing to do, either art or design? What do you enjoy doing the most out of the things that you regularly get to do? I'm already doing that. So I, it's not really that hard for me to think of. It's doing portraits. I do a lot of digital portraits. So I have an iPad Pro hmm. and use the Apple Pencil. And when that thing came out and those things came together for me, it was a great experience for me because I had tablets in the past and that whole disconnect of looking one place and drawing in another place, I could never really master that. But when the iPad Pro came out and the pencil, that really helped me a lot, make it feel more intuitive. And so doing portraits, because I just love people and I love making connections. And there's just something about doing people's portraits in a loose style that really resonates with who I am. So when you do that at an event, are you iPadding that or are you good old canvas kind of thing? How do you do that when you're doing that so, on a stage or something? Yeah. So most of the time, I'd say probably like 90% of the time I'm doing digital, I'm doing iPad. A lot of the canvas stuff, either if I'm selling something or doing something after the fact, I'll be getting like uh, prints made, you know, high mm. quality prints on mm -hmm. canvas, and then I can always hand embellish them. And every once in a while, I have the need to get a little dirty and sloppy and sling some paint around and stuff like that and just kind of right. get back to my roots. But something about because of being so much in the design world and already being in, in a digital platform, harnessing that stuff, more tools that, that kind of mimic analog, if you will, and the messy textures and all those kind of things. I really enjoy bringing those worlds together. Hmm. And of course having undos and not cleaning up paint and things like that. <laughs> it's really, really and also I don't have things piling up around me, <laughs> like yeah. canvases and whatnot. After right. a while, you'd be like, I'm running out of room, but digital clutter is a little different. <laughs> yeah. I think I could close my eyes and get the undo shortcut. No problem with the keyboard. <laughs> yeah. Like I know the exact ratio from thumb to index finger for undo. Whoops. Okay. So Jason, we... Mike and I get together, we pull some money together, we send you away to some fabulous location for a week, and our only request is, while you're there chilling and hanging out for a week by yourself, you got to do some design just for fun, what would you do? This is a really mix for me, because I, I really enjoy creating brands or identities, but that is a crossover there, because that, for me, that still starts on a, with a pencil and paper. And so, although I've been making the transition to iPad because of the pencil, I, I, I love it. I've really been doing uh, a lot more on my iPad versus a notebook, but I still carry uh, a field notes with me all the time and a pencil. So I, I love to draw the pencil. And even like in meetings, if you've ever been on a Zoom call with me, except for today, I don't have anything with me. Uh -oh. uh, there's a pretty good chance I drew a picture of you while we're on. It's just, <laughs> I just sketch, draw it all the time. So, but, cool. but, so okay. I think it's interesting that the branding starts with the sketches for me. So folks listening in are likely a personal brand. Branding conversation comes up. They're all having to think about brand, logo design, all of that stuff. And for most of those folks, it's not the funnest thing for them to think about. They think about, oh, this is going to cost me a lot of money, or how much money should it cost? How do I get a good one? Should I go look over here on some super cheap site and just get something for $5? So let's help folks out. We're going to bring you into the inner circle. We've got three designers here. A lot of us do design around branding and personal brands. So let's start with you, Jason. If a personal brand comes to you and they say, Jason, I need you to help me with my brand, where do you typically start with them? Yeah, I have a little questionnaire I walk them through. Mm -hmm. But I think what I, I normally do is 
like the brand is more than just creating an identity. Mm-hmm. I, I think I just referred to it in proper way previously. Yep. But if I'm talking about a brand, I talk about how that, that extends to multiple things. So I ask like what other areas that they're involved with. So are you doing a book? Do you have lead madness? Do you have a website? All these other things. Um, because I really like to, my sweet spot is where I'm happy is when I can create an identity for you and help you build that brand, but then also let that seep into all your other, all the other things that you created or, or haven't created. So I'd like to know what, what it is that they do and where, what other areas they, this brand's going to be going. So Mike, why do we need to know as designers and why does a personal brand need to think through that of the different places this is going to get used? Why does that matter for you, the designer? Yeah, it matters because of context, right? Context is, is key because you don't want to build something to find out you get on the other end of it and it's useless or doesn't work in a variety of contexts. And so a lot of times people haven't thought through those issues. And so for us as designers, we need to be thinking about those things because we want to be at the end of this, we want you to be happy as a client. We want to feel good about the work that we've done. And we want to try to avoid as much as possible, any wrong turns or dead ends. Mm -hmm. And so asking as many questions up front as possible so that there's clarity. And the other thing I found is that many times people come and they're asking for something and it's fairly obvious early on in the conversation that they're not really sure why they're even asking what they're asking. Mm. Someone told them that they needed a logo. Someone told them that they need a visual brand, but they don't really understand why they just know that's part of the process. It's on the list of things I need to tick off. And so I've reached out because this is something I need to have done. And so having a larger conversation around that to go, okay, let's talk about what the purpose of that is. And let's try and get some clarity around that so that you're not just, you know, checking the box and saying, okay, I've got the piece done, but that you're being intentional and clear as far as what it is that you're hoping this is going to accomplish. That's good. So let's stop there. Let's summarize two things we've already just learned. If you're a personal brand, one of those things is beware of just the list somebody hands you that, hey, you need to go get these things in order to be a personal brand and just run out there and do them. And Mike just mentioned, have given zero thought as to why. I'm doing this because somebody told me to do this. And then what both of the guys mentioned, number two, when you're looking for a designer or working with a designer on your visual identity, if they don't ask you the questions that Mike and Jason just asked you or said that's where they start, then you need to keep looking. Can we agree, fellas? Yeah. Keep You don't have a good visual identity brand designer if they're not asking you these questions. We've come in. You, you've asked me some questions. You're now helping me think about the visual identity part of my brand, how that relates to the rest of my brand. What's the next thing that you help a personal brand with or think through when it comes to now using and applying that brand? Where do you see mistakes after Jason or Mike? You turn over the visual identity assets. You say, there you go. Where do you see mistakes? What advice would you give them about how to take advantage of what you've just done for them? I see this a lot, not so much recently, but in the past, I saw a lot where people just didn't use the things that I create. If I create a, if I create a brand kit for you to follow the case, here's your colors, here's your fonts, here's things like that. And then I, I go and I see a lead magnet that they created and it looks nothing like all the rules that we set up to follow. And I mean, consistency is a key thing. And I'm just like, it, this is totally not mm. what should have happened. And so I, I see that a lot where people just don't follow to, on the, the rules established. So there's your th- tip number three, consistent. So take what your brand designer 
gives you for your visual identity. Number one, use it. Jason just said, please use it like you paid me for it. Use it. Number two, if there's one time to be a Pharisee and be legalistic, this is the time to be legalistic. Use it all the time, every single time. Be consistent. Mike, anything that you would add? Yeah, I would be in agreement with Jason. I don't think people think about it in terms of a, a system. Hmm. So they get assets and maybe they tuck them away someplace hopefully they know where they are because that's sometimes even hey can you send that to me again i don't know what i did with the link or where the whatever so hopefully there's enough organization on the other side where or people again they've invested in this and then they put it someplace where they can access it and their team can access it easily enough and, and then like i said really it's adopting a mindset that there's a system around this mm. that whoever touches anything visually needs to go through the style guide that's been set up You've paid all this money, all this effort and work has gone into that. Why would you have this then not being used and implemented mm -hmm. and making sure that whoever is on your team knows where it is and understands that this is, everything needs to pass through this. And so having not only the people who are in charge seeing it as a system, but then also anybody else who comes into contact or needs to see it as the system is. Let me ask you guys, how do you organize the stuff you've done for me, like the logos and that kind of stuff. And then based on that, what would you recommend to me, the personal brand to say, hey, and when I turn these over to you, like be smart, go organize them this way, store them. I know this sounds elementary, but this is part of the problem. We get a call back a week later. Hey, can you send me my logo? I just sent that to you seven days ago. A month later, hey, can you hit me back with those logos again? So how do you organize and what advice would you give yeah, uh, normally what I do is I, I package all the files up, all the various file types and versions of the logo. I package them all up and I'll send them all the files. I normally create a brand kit and guidelines, a PDF that they have that kind of walks them through everything. And so normally I send all, you know, email all that to them. But I also, uh, most in most situations, I'm creating a website for someone as well. And I also create a page on their website. I'll say, hey, you can go to xyz.com slash logo or slash brand or whatever it is. On there, you can find, it's another version of their brand kit. You can download all your logo files there. So they're able to share that with other people. And if they do con come back to me you know, a month later, say, hey, can you send me logo files again? I say, hey, just go to your website slash brand and all your stuff. Is hmm. Yeah, really smart. Mike, how do you organize your stuff and any other advice you would give to somebody? Typically, there's a, a backup system where, so I'm emailing files, but then also I will either create a Dropbox or Google Drive and make sure that in there, you have your subfolders of here's your logo and logo types, different file types and different color profile, the brand kit or style guide, any assets that need to go along with that clearly marked, any fonts used if that's appropriate, all those things labeled very clearly in folders of what they are and everything has a place where it lives and it's organized clearly. And I do more stuff that's print or kind of some template stuff, not necessarily websites. So I don't have that whole fancy mm. web page that Jason's mm, talking about, but I like that idea. Right. I like that idea. Maybe shoot Jason a text and say, hey, throw this on a page <laughs> yeah, for Jason, me for them. Yeah, <laughs> so maybe we'll get some examples of what those are that we'll get Jason to share with us. You can go, everyone listening, you can go look at one of those and go, oh yeah, I'm going to make sure my designer gives me one of those pages. Or you just hire Jason. That's fine. Okay. So this is going to be a fun one. The difference between like print and web or screen 
how do we break that down for folks so they understand why are you giving me all these versions? Or if I go hire somebody cheap and they just give me one version, why is that a problem? How would you explain to folks, look, when you hire me, I'm going to give you these files in this different formats. Here's why. It's funny because I, I was thinking about that while, while Mike was talking. The number of times that I'm sure you guys can probably all this happened when a client calls and says, hey, I'm trying to open this EPS file and it's not opening. Right. Yep. Yeah. So I also include it, and I didn't mention this, but I also include a little uh, file type cheat sheet, a PDF. Uh, when I package everything off, it basically just says, "Hey, here's I'm gonna I give you a PDF and EPS, whatever those file types are, and this is the optimal place to use these file types. You're probably not gonna open the EPS file. You're gonna place it into a doc. You're probably not gonna place it into a document. Right. Another designer is <laughs> probably gonna place yeah. it in a doc. I, I have a little cheat sheet in there that kind of gets them started on that. Okay, great. Mike, what would you add to that? How do you explain to folks why you're giving them these different versions and when and where they should use? Yeah, it really comes down to educating. You don't want to get too in the weeds with people. Right. Like, this is raster, this is vector, and here's, you know. But I think having them understand that there are different contexts and, and context is important. And you don't want a file that's too big on a website because it's going to load really slowly mm. and people are going to not wait around for it to load. You don't want a really small and lower resolution file, logo file for print, because then it's going to print out and it's going to be all, you know, fuzzy and pixelated and it's not going to look right. Where possible, if I have examples of that, I try to show that so that I say, sometimes you may have seen this. You've come across this in a magazine. Somebody had an oops, somebody got fired that day. Mm -hmm. It was not a good day for somebody. And I said, but this stuff happens and this is why. This is why this stuff is important. And then also with resolution, there's also color profiles, understanding that there's a printing process. And so that process requires a different type of coloring as opposed to what be on a screen. And, and then there's always conversations sometimes that are a little bit difficult where it's, I don't understand why this looks one way on my screen and then another way when I print this out, like oh what's the deal with that? And again, really it comes down to just trying to educate a little bit more and have people understand that you're dealing with different processes and different, a screen is going to interact with color very different than a piece of paper. And I think the biggest thing is just being patient and open to having those conversations on both sides. For a, a designer, a lot of times we have to back things up and, and make things more basic because our world, we're dealing with this stuff all the time. So it's easy to forget that, oh yeah, like they don't know what that is. They don't understand the context for that. So making sure that there's patience and, and again, just uh, an educate the piece that's there. And then on the other side, I think it's where obviously not everybody's going to be interested in to know different degrees of exactly why and all that kind of stuff, but at least some working understanding of why there are all these different file types and what to do with them, some reference base. To make sure we're super clear, what the guys are saying is you really have two worlds that these live in. One is something on a screen. And that's going to usually be on a website. Maybe you're using it in a PowerPoint presentation or something like that. And then there's another world. And that's the world where you work with a printer. Anything from the printer, laser printer in your home office or whatever. But particularly if you're going to work with a professional printer for a business card or some sort of sales sheet that you're going to get printed off. Those are two different worlds. And they require a version of your logo that's appropriate for each world. Jason, if you were recommending to our audience, hey, if you're working with a designer on your visual identity, I would recommend you at least get these 
file types. Can you walk us through that? Yeah, and it sounds really, it sounds strange, but the number of people that have come to me without a vector version of their logo is mm-hmm. insane. Or yep. they send me a 150 pic- mm-hmm. JPEG that they got off Facebook and say, here's my logo. Right. So yeah, the number one thing is you want a vector file. And I don't, again, I don't want to get too deep into it, but mm-hmm. a vector file means you can resize it to whoever big you need it to be. It's not going to lose its quality. It's not going to get chunky, mm-hmm. quote unquote. Yep. So I think that's the number one thing is that you need to get a vector. And then from that vector file, you can anything right. else you need. So right. uh, I usually give people, I think I give five different file types. And then and I, I think I actually say in there, you could pretty much create anything you want from this vector. So make sure you get a vector file from your designer. That's typically going to end in .eps, and you probably don't have any way of opening that on a computer. That's fine. That's one that's going to go to a printer. And you give that to Mike or Jason or myself, and we're good to go. We can do anything we need to do from that as well as a professional printer. Sometimes if they did it in a program like Adobe Illustrator, it would be .ai, and then sometimes it's .pdf. So you need some version that's vector. Mike, what's the other version they need for screen? Yeah, I typically steer people towards PNG files with a transparent background Mm. because it's most versatile. Yep. Sometimes people say, well, can you give me a JPEG? And that's fine. I can give people a JPEG too. But the pitfall that people fall into sometimes is they're so used to a JPEG and they ask for that. And then I have to explain the reason why sometimes you see like your logo and this big, ugly white box around it. And then the color of the website, like that's because there's no transparent background. It's fused onto a piece of paper. It's Mm -hmm. can't do anything with that. That's why a PNG with a transparent background is really important. So those are the two at a bare minimum, you need some sort of vector file, probably .eps and you're totally safe. And then if you want to use it on a screen, you probably want at least a PNG file, not a JPEG, because that's the one where it's transparent around your logo. You don't get a rectangle or a square of a solid color behind your logo. At some point, you're going to want to stick your logo on some other color and not have this built-in box around it. So at a bare minimum, you should be looking for those two things. Okay, now I'm going to wait us into the deep end real quick. We all know it's coming. Okay. Here's the question. I'm a personal brand. You guys sound expensive to me. Why can't I just go over to fill in the blank Fiverr or some other place or my or my nephew's friend and just get my logo, whatever I need for $25? Come on, you guys are full of it. Why can't I just go do that? Jason, why can't I just go pay $25 or $5 and get a logo? I mean, for me, it's about having a relationship with that client and learning that brand, knowing that brand, and being able to create all the other pieces we talked about for that person. And it's about creating a relationship and those questions we talked about getting getting in deep with that brand. And I'm not sure, and I, don't, I don't want to throw a fire under the bus or whatever right. else we're talking about here, yeah. but I'm not yes, sure you do. get that kind of, yes, I do. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I'm not sure you get that kind of relationship or that kind of deep uh, attention to detail in other situations. Yep. Mike, what would you add to that? Why can't I just go get a logo for $5, $10 or whatever? Yeah, because you're not just paying for a, a pair of hands. Mm-hmm. It's more than that. You're paying for a brain. You're paying for someone to think through context like we talked about before and making sure that you're going to be good on the other side of this. Sometimes people just look at the final product, if you will, and they say, I want something that looks professional. I want something that looks great. 
but how it's constructed is also very important as we talked about, mm -hmm. because if you end up on the other side and you've been painted into a corner, you've spent a lot of time, energy, effort, and money on something that all of a sudden is useless and you need to start over or bring it to someone who can try to fix it. This happens a lot of times for us. I'm sure Jason's shaking his head to where people come to us and say, Hey, I had somebody else try and create something for me, but it just didn't work. Can you take a look at this or can we do something else with this? Cause I needed to use it in this context and now I can't, so I'm stuck. So starting the right way, it will save you a lot of headaches. It'll save you a lot of expense. It may seem like it won't because you're thinking like, if I go to Fiverr, Hey, that's a lot cheaper. Mm -hmm. But again, you're going to end up having to redo stuff anyway. So just do it right the first time. You will likely change your brand at best, maybe once every 10 years. So if you look at what it takes to swap out logos and colors and start over, Put it in the category of literally legally changing your name. Can you do it tomorrow? Absolutely you can. It's a big headache with costs and expenses and red tape and government and all that kind of stuff. Can you then change it again technically the week after that? You can. I don't think there's a law against how many times you can go do that. Who does that? Nobody, because it's way too big of a hassle. So we're here to tell you, put the brakes on. If there's one time to not ready, you know, shoot, aim, this is one of those times. Because you can't just go swap this out every 18 months and go, yeah, I didn't really like that. So I'm going to start all over. Any thoughts you would add to that? Yeah, I agree. It's easy to forget all the parts pieces that it extends to. It's really why big brands spend millions and millions of dollars when they right. rebrand. I'm sure they get a knot in their stomach more than the average oh, yeah. personal brand does. <laughs> and we've seen several examples of those when they do that. Big brand does that. Perhaps big brand writes a very big check for that. We know that. Whoever they write a check to didn't do a good job of actually talking to customers. It gets in front of customers, and what's the response? Customers go ballistic. They hate it. And we've seen big brands, the check's already been cashed <laughs> to the agency that, that did it, and big brands literally revert right back to the old of the visual identity yep. because it caused such a backlash. So these are big things. You don't do them often. They do represent you like everywhere it is going to represent you. So this is one of those times, yes, it's good to do it and do it. Okay, let's talk. Let's maybe as we look to start to land the plane here, I want to talk about two final things. One, I would love to talk briefly about websites. I know, Jason, that's your, pardon the pun, domain. Hello. So we'll talk just for a second about that, and then I'll circle around with one kind of final question for both of us. So, Jason, personal brand website, if there are one or two tips you could give us about what do I need to either plan ahead of time before I come to you or another web designer for my personal brand, what does that web designer, what should they be asking me in order to wind up with a good personal brand website. One thing is photography. Mm. I think photography is a huge thing. It's extremely helpful. And some photos that you can talk about that are um, yep. there's the way the way the photos are taking. Um, so I think photography is a huge thing. The other thing that I run into a lot is people will change directions midstream, right? Oh. Uh, you've already done the work. Okay, here's the blueprint to my house. The kitchen's in the front. There's two bedrooms in the back. And there's two bathrooms. And then in the middle of building this house, it's, you know what, I really want the kitchen in the back now. So it's really important to nail those things down and have them set. Mm. Make sure what you're doing before 
you get into the weeds. Yes, that's so helpful. And I will reiterate, we all know the saying, a picture is worth a thousand words. That means a mediocre picture is like paying Jason money to put a thousand mediocre, put me to sleep, boring <laughs> words. So Jason, you could do a killer design. This could be the one that Jason goes, this is clearly the best homepage I've ever designed. And then I give you one of those mediocre, my my wife took this picture of me on an iPhone on our beach vacation. I've always loved this picture. Can you use this, Jason? What does that do to, to your Picasso? Yeah, it changes the entire feel. We're not saying bad picture. We're saying one average picture takes Jason's 11-point design on a scale of 1 to 10. He hit an 11, and now you're sitting at a solid 5.25 just by the one mediocre picture. So then, Mike, you've seen it or experienced, if not in a web design context, if you're doing social media graphics, you've got great plan. I'm hiring you out to do put together some social media templates for me, and you've got some ideas, and then I send you my mediocre to terrible logo. Oh, as designers, is that not the worst? You're like, yes. how do I not use their logo? <laughs> I, I so, have, in fact, used text in an editor yes. before. Yeah, if you ever get... Not, and I'm like, we're going to put your logo in the footer. <laughs> and it, boy, is it going to be small. <laughs> okay, so that goes back to what we were just talking about. That's why you don't shortcut yourself on the visual identity and the logo piece, because we are here to tell you, you want to talk about what drags our work on your behalf down to the ground, the fast, poor pictures and just a mediocre or bad look. We literally can't hide it. We've all designed around it as best we possibly could, and we still can't sleep at night because the one thing that's wrong with that design before we have a big meeting with you tomorrow is the logo you forced on us. So be very careful with that. Mike, anything else you might add to that when it comes to websites and what, you would, what you've seen or what you would recommend to somebody? Yeah, I think think about usability and the end user because a lot of times... People get caught up in, here's all the things I want to have there. Here's mm. all the information. Here's all. And it's just, it becomes a lot of stuff and a lot of noise. But if somebody can't navigate that and they don't know where things are, then you could have even the best stuff up there, but it's useless because nobody can find it. Or nobody knows what to do with it. I think having thought through as far as what is your, what is your menu structure look like and how do people access things go for clear over clever because a lot of times if you're too clever you're going to lose people and again then it really does not serve you it may look great or it may seem like it's a fun thing but again it's not doing what it's supposed to so that's tough for us we all admit we're three creatives on the podcast and we're all dropping our heads a little bit and admitting if forced between the choice between creative or clear go clear. Okay, last question I want to ask us, what would be one piece of advice you would give a personal brand w when they're about to work with a designer? I think it's, for me, it's about the relationship thing that we, we've talked about a couple of times today. And so I want you to be honest with me. You hmm. can't really hurt my feelings. That doesn't mean I'm not going to end this Zoom call and scream out. I just want you to be honest with me and I want you to give detailed feedback. I don't want you to say, yeah, I don't like that color. I want you to say I don't like that color because, or hmm. uh, I don't even say I don't like that typography because, you know, I, I want detailed feedback because like our job as traders is to sell our art and say, Hey, I did X, Y, and Z because of the, so I can't, I, I need to be able to justify what I did. And if you can't tell me why you don't like something, I can't, you can't really have much of a conversation there. I mean, then it just becomes a back and forth 
Yeah. Okay. So relationship with your designer so that you can give feedback that actually helps the designer. So just saying, I don't know, I'm not sure, I don't like, that's okay, is just, it's not particularly helpful. So have the relationship where you can go all in and say, I don't like this because. Mike, what advice would you give? I'm a personal brand, I'm listening in. How can I be the best client my next designer has ever hired or I've yeah. ever hired or worked with? I would come back to the whole idea of clarity because while someone may not understand certain contexts and there needs to be discussion and education around design and what needs to happen, I think there's times where people aren't clear on their own goals and their own identity or like what it is that they're doing. And they're still in process on that. And they've jumped the gun to go, hey, now I need a logo and branding. And then when you get in further down into things, they start to shift some pretty significant things yeah. can happen. And then you're like, we've already established a strategy moving forward for this and a plan. And now some pretty major things are changing. So I would say, make sure that you have thought that stuff through before you go to a designer. Solid on who you are, what you do, what you, you know, who you serve, uh, how you serve, those things so that you can bring that to the conversation because that is going to be key to knowing and filling in a lot of the other information that needs to happen from there. That's the right time to do that is not with a designer or as the process of design is unfolding. So do the homework up front as sometimes as difficult as that can be, you be better off for it, believe me. Okay, Mike, tell us where we can find you and maybe something a personal brand listening in can go grab right now. Yeah. So for my design stuff, it's Mike Brennan designs with an S.com. And uh, I do have social media templates that are Canva related. So I know Canva is a, a good resource for people who, if they don't have the ability to hire a designer on retainer to do ongoing design, or maybe they have a, a certain team member that they want to task out, kind of have it template, have a template that they know that they can depend on so that there's consistency we talked about before. I've created a whole bunch of those, whether it's for podcasting or for Instagram, Facebook posts for personal brands specifically. You can go to digital downloads on my website uh, that I just mentioned, MikeBrennanDesigns.com, and I have some of those for sale. They're pretty cheap. And again, it just gives you a Canva link that is a template that then you can plug in your own either photos, colors, anything to customize for your own needs. Awesome. Okay, Jason, where can folks find you? Yeah, you can find me. I, I want to talk about Canva real quick. Am I the only one that fought Canva tooth and nail? Yes. Hated oh, it, my gosh. had nightmares about Canva. And now I'm like, it's pretty cool. Yep. <laughs> it's pretty really useful. Dang it. <laughs> it's another tool. It's another tool. You're still cool if you use Canva, okay? We're, we all you just made it. me laugh talking about the link thing. You sometimes like, it's super easy for people to use. And I'm like, I thought it's so I, Oh, I'm well, with you, Jason. I'm there's got to be something wrong with this. <laughs> yeah, it can't be this easy. Right. So where can they find um, you and where, where could, what can they reach out to you for help with? All right. So you can find me online at jasonclement.com. You can find some of my work on there and you can contact me on there. I love personal brands and websites. Awesome. Um, but I also design all sorts of other things. So. Mm -hmm. Yep. I've been doing a lot of book covers lately. Yes. Is. You are listening to the You Are the Brand book cover designer, 
Jason Clement, ladies and gentlemen, on the podcast show today, among other things. So I told you, you've seen his work. Fellas, this has been a lot of fun. It's fun to have three creatives on a podcast. Hopefully this really helps folks know what they need to look for in a designer, how they need to think about their visual identity, what to do with those files after you've paid money for them. So we'll summarize where you can find these guys in the show notes. We'll also summarize some of those key points so that you you have some clear takeaways. Jason, Mike, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks, Rodney. Thanks for having me, Rob. Thanks for joining me on this episode today. It's great to have two wonderful designers with me collaborating together. It's great to have their help and answer those three important questions. What do you need to look for in a designer? How do you need to think about your visual identity when working with a designer as a personal brand? And what to do with those files that you have paid money for when they give those files over to you? If you're not already subscribed to my Four Wins on Friday email, I would invite you to do that. The feedback has been great. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. You can go to RobbieF.com forward slash Friday, and you can see all of the reviews and the feedback people are giving. So I'd love to see you there. That's where I put my best effort. So I'd love to have you on that list. You get four wins every Friday. It takes you less than two minutes to read. So join me there. If this has been helpful for you, share it with someone. And as always, if you go leave a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts, That is a great way to get this in the hands of more folks. Until the next episode, go and build a life-giving brand.